Hi everyone, this is Shangri-La Rendun, aka Feisty Fox and head coach of Feisty Fox Coaching. I want to talk about a couple things that I believe it's important for athletes. One is actually about the champion's mindset when overcoming failure. And the second thing is this hatred, dislike, or fear towards running. And I want to share to you a couple things that my athletes have shared to me regarding running. So first of all, um, a lot of people are actually wondering, how come you talk about a lot of different things like you know everything? Uh, honestly, I don't know everything. And to tell you the truth, I'm still learning. And in fact, I use different methods of how to learn things. Uh, back in 2014, what I started doing actually is I listened to audiobooks. I'm very busy individual. I do a lot of different things, but and also I fall asleep reading a book. <laughs> yeah, so I fall asleep reading the book. Uh, honestly, it's hard for me to finish a book page by page. However, what I'm good at is that I listen to audiobooks and believe it or not, I started with listening to at least three books every week. Just imagine how much books a person can finish if, the, if that person is actually finishing three books a week. As of now, I don't finish that much anymore, but I still listen to audiobooks. So that's one of the methods that I use besides attending to seminars, listening to my coaches, to mentors, uh, really reading something online, but definitely reading a book is not my thing. <laughs> I wish I could be better. But so, you know, I've been reading, uh, I've been, sorry, I've been listening to a lot of books. And one thing that I wanted to actually uh, mention is what Ray Dalio, uh, the author of Principles, uh, wrote. So he said like this, everyone fails. Anyone you see succeeding is only succeeding at the things you pay attention to. And he also said that uh, he guarantees that they are also failing a lot of other things. And he said that the people I respect most are those who fail well. I respect them even more than those who succeed. So he actually talked about how, to fa how, how it is to fail well. And I wanted to share to you something that I've done um, until now is I also listen to The Champion's Mindset by... Jim Aphromo, one of my favorite books. I've, lis I've listened to it at least 20 times. <laughs> and I, I also have the hard book. And at the same time, whenever I have a race, I still listen to the same book. So just imagine how many times I've, I've read, listened to all this kind of books. Okay. So um, failure. In terms of uh, athletes, what we talk about, or specifically for triathletes, there's fail we feel failure. Definitely one of the biggest failure uh, besides not meeting our goal is actually receiving a DNF or did not finish. Uh, did not start could also be uh, seen by athletes as a failure because the person could have encountered some problems during the training and did not able to get started, like wasn't able to find ways to actually get to the start line of the race. But definitely one of the most devastating results of training and then racing is actually getting a DNF. So I wanted to share you uh, one of the instances that I've actually practiced champion's mindset. And this is something, you know, when you're at the race and you actually have to decide of what to do 
during the most important or more highly pressured uh, instance. And I wanted to share you what had happened to, to my first attempt of Ultraman Florida. That was back, let me see, 2015. That was only four years ago. My first attempt on Ultraman Florida. I trained so hard uh, to this race. By the way, Ultraman, if you have no idea what it is, it's actually uh, ultra triathlon but in a specific uh, training format. So for all Ultraman race directors, what they do is that they own, they have particular requirements for you to actually even to apply as a participant. So uh, one of the requirements is actually you have to be a Ironman finisher. Okay, so you have to already finish Ironman finisher. And then the next thing is that you're gonna have to apply and then kind of like applying for a job. Uh, write something, uh, why, why, why they need to select you to be one of the participants. Every year for each of the Ultraman branded uh, a race, they only accept 40 athletes from around the world. And those 40 athletes are very strong and fast athletes. Okay. So just for the Ultraman, if you qualify, uh, the athlete, it's a three-day endurance event and it consists of day one you have to finish 10 kilometer open water swim followed by 91 or 90 mile bike and then day two you have to finish about 160 mile bike and then day three you need to get up again and actually finish 52.4 mile run so not just you only need to be an endurance, <laughs> endurance super athlete, but you actually need to be fast. What that means also is that you need to be strong and you need to, be, you need to have that speed endurance all throughout the race. Considering that there's three days, so you also need to make sure that you are recovering fast and you have you actually, um, you, you don't get injured as much as possible. You don't get sick. So you got to be really strong athlete to withstand this beating, you know, for the entire three days. Last but not the least, each day has a cutoff time of 12 hours. Okay. So it's, it's total overall for those three days, the athlete would have finished a uh, 10 kilometer swim about 260 uh, or a 260 mile bike in 52.4 mile run. Make sure to check the website to make sure, uh, to get them the, the exact numbers, but that's, you know, more or less, that's the miles. Okay, so anyways, so uh, back in 2015, that was my first attempt. Uh, so I finished the open water swim, the 10 kilometer open water swim. Unfortunately, um, what happened on my bike portion, the 90 mile bike portion after the open water swim, unfortunately I got lost. <laughs> so when I got lost, I actually got lost for 10 miles. Okay. So I was lost for 10 miles and guess what happened is that they, the race director pulled me off the course with only about three miles left to the finish line of day one. Just imagine that. After I finished about 10 kilometer open water swim and then rode bike, bike as hard as I can with only three miles left on the bike, I got pulled out. 
that sucks, right? And if you think about it, I was I actually I actually covered about a uh, hundred miles then because remember I got lost, so I actually gained ten miles bonus on my on my course, right? But then Ultraman, they're very strict with the rules. And I respect that, which is actually good. You know, it's really responsibility of the athlete and the support crew to know the, the course, right? So even though I covered more than the distance of the official finishers on day one, I was already DNF. And that, that sucks. Uh, it broke my heart. I was really, really devastated on day one. My support crew came to back to the hotel late already. I think it was already past midnight then. And there's the point that I actually had to make a decision. One of the things, the great things about Ultraman is even though you don't meet the cutoff time, they allow you to be still to still participate on day two and day three of the, the race. So, but then in the mindset of an athlete, you know, sometimes one will ask, well, I'm already DNF. Why would I still show up on day two and day three? Why? I'm not uh, the result. I'm not getting anything in the record. So, you know, I was so tired already. So when you're tired, it's a lot harder to actually make decision. So that was day one on 2015, February. And of course, my support crew is waiting for my decision. They're, all, they're always there to actually support my decision. So, so even though, even though that I actually uh, already had a DNF in my name, even though I completed already more than the distance uh, on day one compared to the distance covered by official finishers on day one, I made a decision and actually still show up on day two and day three. You know why? Well, one of the things that I really value is the experience the experience of the actual race i want to know how much i've gained during training and at the same time i think one of the one of the main reasons why i did that is because i want to continue practicing my champion's mindset i want to be able to actually make the best decision the right decision that i believe at the time and be okay with the DNF result, I was more focused on the process and to learn from that experience. And that's what I did. So what I did, even heartbroken, because I was really heartbroken. I cried. I cried that night. Just imagine the night before the next day. Just imagine a race that you've been preparing for the entire year. And that's what I did for 2014. I, I prepared for it for the entire year. I put everything, everything I did not leave behind. So day one, in my name, I was already DNF. But what I did is that I actually showed up. I showed up on day two, which is about 170 mile bike ride. And day three, which is 52.4 mile run. I know that I already had a DNF, but I also know that I completed 10 kilometer open water swim and about 100 mile bike on day one. To me, that's a win because I got the experience. I got the experience to actually compete with the best athletes around the world and be in such a very loving, positive community, which is the Ultraman family. So the next thing is that 
I actually, yeah, I showed up on day two. And guess what? I did well. I finished the 170-mile bike uh, with a time of around, uh, not around, uh, 10, 20, 10 hours and 20 minutes. So to me, that was fast. And actually, it is fast. Uh, I was um, one of the top females who finished uh, the first uh, at the top of the list on day two. Same thing. And then, you know, because I got the result on day two, like I have my time and I learned from it. It was a great race, even though I was only participant. And even though I already had a DNF in my name, I still showed up in day three. Day three is a 52.4 mile run. Then again, because I was just fired up, I was just so happy to be competing with the best, against the best athletes around the world. I was feeling blessed that I was actually able to pull through a hard back-to-back -back training without injuring myself. I was smiling. On day three, I was the first female to actually finish the 52.4 mile run. I placed 11th overall out of the 40 athletes who actually was on day three of the run. I, w I, saw, the, I saw the fruit of my training and I was happy about that. So you can actually check out, you can also still check out, you know, the race, it says DNF, right? So again, you know, would you do the same thing? Would you actually show up and learn from the experience, even though you know yourself that you're not going to get a medal or even though you're not going to get the credit of actually finishing the race, even though you finished the distance. I had day two, day three, I was heartbroken, but that didn't actually demolish my passion for sports, my passion to learn on every experience. It was definitely hard emotionally and mentally, but I still did it anyways. I still did the right thing with what I know, with what I've learned from all the books about executing champions mindset. So that's how I actually overcome and uh, practice of uh, failure. And guess what? I did the same thing. And you know, with that, after, after that DNF, you know what I did? I actually evaluate everything again. Everything, you know, what a champion does whenever that person fails, that person, of course, has to grieve first, right? But considering that that person, which is me, I love myself. I grieve, I accept. It was hard. I cried a lot. And, you know, but I took responsibility of it and I move on. And, and then the next thing that I do is I, I reevaluate things and then learn from my mistakes. Because the only thing that we grow is actually pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone, pushing out of ourselves uh, to what we know it's our limitation. And once we push through, even though let's say you end up failing or not achieving the result that you want, the medal, the finisher's title, right? You still, you still learn from it. You still grow from that experience. And if you did not do that, you could have not pushed your limitations during training or during the race. Triathlon is not about training 
physically, your endurance, you know, instead, you also have to train your mindset. And I'm sure a lot of you are already doing that. One of the things, though, what's hard is when we fail, when we don't see the win, and you, we still need to get up, even though after failure, that's what a champion is. Someone who gets back to the game. Someone who, who doesn't, someone who doesn't quit. Someone who, who still continues to love himself or herself. So that's what I did. I continued to train, look for bigger, you know, plan for bigger goals, still continue to, to achieve my dreams, still not be feeling defeated or still not criticizing myself of, or not telling myself how bad I was an athlete. Instead, I told myself, this is part of it. I got to learn. I have a lot to learn. And the only thing that will remind me of what I learned is to actually experience it. And I know about that. Why? Because I'm stubborn. <laughs> I am stubborn. Meaning that, you know, and I'm going to admit to you right now. Sure, I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of books. I have coaches. I have mentors. I do my best, right? I do my best to execute things. All those, all those things that we know, the concept, the theory in our head, it's not going to stick really well as much as it would when you actually experience it, when you actually apply what you learn, right? So, so that's, that's what I wanted to share. And I hope you guys use that one, that concept of how to fail well. And actually, there's really no, no, no failure. It's just another step. If you want to reframe your mindset, it's part of the game. It's part of life. It's how we grow. And we want to take opportunity and see that. See that as an opportunity to grow. When we fail, you know what? You're a lot much better than before you even tried something so hard. You're a lot much better. You've learned so much. And you have to value that experience. Right? So on the same year... I continue to train. I continue to listen to my mentors. Actually, I have my triathlon coach. I have my registered dietitian. I have my life coach. I built a system around me that would help me get my dreams. And I still do that until now. I have very good coaches in different areas of my life. And I do my best. I'm not perfect. So anyways, on that same year, 2015, without planning, I made the Guinness World Record as the fastest female to complete the five Ironman in five consecutive days on October 2015 in Mexico. I didn't plan for it. And uh, that was 2015 when I made the Guinness World Record. There's a lot more people who are actually a lot more better than me. But, um, you know, I think what I'm trying to point out here is that I continued and I had to come back. I didn't focus on what I wanted to achieve a lot more than what I need to do at the moment, at the present, okay? Uh, after that Guinness World Record or finishing five Ironman in five consecutive days, uh, I actually also finished, <laughs> official finish this time, the Ultraman Florida in 2016. That was 
and I did that four months after I made the Guinness World Record on October 2015. So that was my comeback. I don't believe that I would have come to how I am right now as an athlete and as a coach without experiencing all my failures in the past and until now. I still fail. Okay? So that's something about failing well. What I wanted to share to you is um, now we're going to go to about running. Okay? So about running, I actually posted this one uh, in Facebook, in the business page, and at the same time in the group Feisty Fox Coaching on Fire. If you have not heard about Feisty Fox Coaching on Fire, it's actually a free Facebook group. However, uh, I have my team and I filter the people who we accept. We just want to make sure that it's positive community and that we are all giving in the community because I give a lot there. I'm not getting paid just to put together something uh, like that. And actually, I'm actually coaching there. I share a lot of things. Anyways, so here's about uh, running. Have you heard of athletes who have fear, dislike, or hatred towards running? You know, before coaching, I actually never understood why would someone be afraid of running? I came from a running background before I, be I become a triathlete. So, and I'm sure all the runners there would feel the same thing. Uh, so, for example, triathlete who loves running, <laughs> it was, they would say that, why would they fear running? Weird. It's easy to put your shoes on and you're ready to go, right? Or triathlon who hates swimming, but, you know, they favor more of running. They would say something like this. It's not like they are going to drown if they stop swimming. They just need to stop. It's not like about swimming where if I stop, you know, I, I feel like I have, to, I have to get my breathing. And, you know, I feel like I'm probably going to drown. Well, because they're scared of swimming. So what are they? Why are these athletes who doesn't like running afraid? So, however, let's, let's listen to the other side. Those people who are actually have fear or dislike running. This is what they say. Remember when you're scared of swimming back then? That's what I feel about running. I'm scared. So when, an one, when one of my athletes told me that, oh, really? That bad? Because I was really a bad swimmer back then. Remember, I did not know how to swim. So, so I was really, really scared. Oh, okay, okay. So now I understand you. Okay, I got it. Okay. It continues throughout my coaching career. And, you know, some of the athletes would say, well, I run because it's necessary evil for triathlon. It's, well, basically, it's the same thing with swimmers. You know, those, you know, like, or those people who are weak in swimming. <laughs> it's necessary, even though I, we hate it. Like, we have to do it. That's how I felt before. Or those who love cycling, what they do is uh, running. Just let me ride my bike and sit relax on my bike much 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 better so i actually have um three athletes three athletes that i can name or, or i can remember uh right now one of them is uh, katie from minnesota also there's kathleen here in los angeles and there's also selma garcia in san diego at the time or before coaching uh there's common thing that they're actually uh, the same. They're scared of hurting themselves. That's actually the main thing. A lot of people say like, uh, 
I'm scared of running. It's not really about being scared of running. It's more of being scared of hurting themselves. And then why? Because they've had those uh, experiences that they actually hurt themselves because of running. A lot of people think that running is painful. So I don't run, they said, right? Um, I'm afraid to hurt myself or feel the pain when I run. Others would say, I've never run in my life. How would I even know how to run? Or I don't know how to run. Or I ran out of breath. I don't know how to control my breathing. Others are, it's boring. Okay. So, so you dislike running. Let's say I'm talking about you. You who dislike running. Who's hate, who's, who has hate uh, of running or who's scared of running. So my question to you is that have you tried to find solutions to the root cause or the, to the reasons why you even feel that way? Or have you tried to revisit or just consider of how you can conquer that fear? Or are you okay and satisfied to actually not do anything just because you're hurting? Sorry, it's not actually just because. It's actually the main reason. I mean, why would you do something that would hurt you? However, sure, I understand that you're hurting. But maybe because, you know, you haven't find different methods of how to train or how to run, right? I mean... I mean, sure, it looks like running is super easy because you just pull your shoes and you get out there. But the thing is that running is a skill. It's just like other sports, just like golf, right? Tennis or surfing. You need to learn how, how to run, how to treat your body when you're actually fatigued already. How can you last running for a long time? It does includes that you need to actually address the technique, your breathing pattern, your recovery, or I call them, I call my, uh, one of the pillars is body maintenance. Are you actually focusing on your nutrition? There's so many things that uh, need to be considered so you don't feel that way towards running. And then those who, who think that running is boring, which is, which is possible, you know, like, because it's your, we have different personalities, right? We have different personalities. Some people just don't like running, right? We can't force them. So, but then because it's a necessary evil, sure, necessary evil, right? Because it's necessary, then we got to do something about it. So it's not going to be that boring. So we got to find solutions, Right. Because if you really want to be a triathlete, well, you have to go through and actually do that run. And the run, you know, if you're telling me that, you know, run is hard, well, it is hard. It is hard. It is actually the sport that requires a lot, lot recovery compared to swimming and cycling. It's because there's a hard impact on your body in terms of your physiological aspect. You do need to recover much longer because it's hard, right? So, so, um, yeah, running is hard for everyone. Even the, I mean, I'm talking about more of the body, the body needs to go through it. Um, so now, well, what I wanted to share to you, what inspired me to actually talk about this running is because Katie, Katie, who have told me, and she's super worried. Okay. I mean, she has completed already. Um, she has completed already, uh, marathons in the past. She did complete even full Ironman also. However, the thing about it is that Katie, even as athletic she is, she actually had surgery on her ACL meniscus, her knee surgery. And it's not only just one knee, both knees. 
Okay. She came to me uh, for help because she wants to get a better time on her Ironman Cozumel. After hearing her struggle and actually her history that she had a surgery and she hates running, that's a red flag for me. Like, okay, this is hard for this athlete. I got to do something about it. So I really work with her, not just only training, okay, actually her mindset. So even though she actually finished marathon and I asked her to do a marathon or like run long distance, she'd freak out. She would email me. She would email like, Eek! marathon's coming up. I don't know what to do. Right. Or like she'd see, she'd see her training peaks, training pieces, a system that consists of workouts that has like back to back run workouts. Of course, it's just a ten, it's just a natural tendency that the brain, the subconscious brain would actually tell her, no, 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 I don't want to run that way. I don't think I should trust the trainee. I don't think I should trust Coach Shangri-La. Uh, so that's the, that, that's the bad wolf talking to her because it reminds her of the pain, the injury in the past, the surgery, the, the lot of recovery, like a lot of months without running or doing her sport, right? So it's understandable that she feels that way. But that was then. The thing about with Feisty Fox Coaching is that if the person, if the person, and this one is a rule, if the person is already hurting and running, I don't make them run. And it's not just actually running. If they're in pain, what I do instead of focusing on finishing the, the workouts, the triathlon itself, I actually dig into the root causes, just like I would do as an engineer. Problem solve, problem solve, okay? And plus, I care so much with my athletes. I don't want them to run in pain because our sports should not be physically, you know, like hurt, hurt, painful, like it's going to injure you. If you do it right, if you do it right, that's the key. If you do it right and you know how to do it right. If someone's guiding you of how and or helping you to evaluate why, why am I hurting, right? So that's what I've done with Katie. Uh, you know, Katie's been, Katie's in Minnesota. She's been with me for a very short time. But then the thing is that I'm result driven and I don't want her to hurt and I care so much. So I've done so many other things beside actually just giving her workout. Remember, coach is not just for giving workouts. At least that's for Feisty Fox coaching. Um, so besides the workouts, I, I dig into work, like where's the weakling? Like where's the weak area of Katie? And I did, I, I understand that. I had to understand that. And even though she's, she's like two hour in, in, in an area that's two hour uh, time zone difference, you know, I do many different methods. I know her weaknesses, her strengths. And then so I had to do strength workouts specifically to help her out with what she's going through to actually give her exercises similar to what a physical therapist would give her to make sure that we proactively prevent the injury, any injury or anything that would get worse with the knees that already had surgery in the past. And, you know, what I wanted to share is, like, actually, uh, this past two weeks, she has been running a lot. And, you know, these are a couple of things that she said. Coach, new PR for most miles run in a week. Woot, woot. No stopping. I walked and drank water. I was caring for a few seconds in the middle. 
And then yesterday, she actually added in her post comment feedback on her training peaks. She said, hardest 15 miles I have ever done due to the hills. Remember, now she's even like running on the hills. 1,138 feet in elevation gain. The first time I tried this route several weeks ago, I crashed and burned. This time, I kicked ass. <laughs> May not have been very fast, but I ran up those freaking hills. Yeah! You know, just reading those post-workout comments, it pumped me up. It's like, it makes, it gives me a reason why I do what I do and why I actually had to make a decision to leave my 15 years of engineering experience and focus on what I lo really love to do, something that's easy, something I actually bring, I believe that I give impact to the world. So, so this is what Katie said, yeah. So she's actually two, uh, uh, two weeks away from her marathon and she's doing great. Now the next person, the next person, Kathleen, who also shared of one of our workouts. So let me share you about Kathleen. Kathleen is actually uh, training for Ironman 70.3 Australia. And she's the, she's the same athlete who told me, do you remember when you were scared of swimming? That's how I, that's how I feel about running. I'm scared to get hurt. I don't like running because it hurts my knees. And actually, the first, during the first weeks that uh, I started uh, coaching Kathleen, she, um, she has a lot of aches and pains, you know, like every time I read her training peaks, she, she would say, you know, even just for mobility workout, she would tell me that, coach, my knees are inflamed. I, I stopped doing the mobility because I could, you know, the stretching workouts because uh, my knees inflamed, uh, I have to ice it. So it's that bad. And, you know, like she's, she's feeling pain in different areas that, you know, I'm like just scratching my head, doing the best I can to make the most out of her training week, her, her days that, you know, uh, I said like no running. And we actually started in the basic and what I did, even a 20 minute dog walk, that is her training for Australia 70.3. Okay. So anyone who's actually doing a 20-minute walk, dog walk, hey, you are training already, <laughs> okay? Or, you know, you, you're getting fitness, right? So she's training for Australia 70.3. So that's where we started. But it doesn't mean that she's not exercising. I give her cross-training exercise that I know would benefit her on triathlon. Because one of the things that I don't do, and I'm going to remind, you know, I don't train my athletes when they're in pain. When, when someone's in pain or, or injured, it's already a 911. It's an emergency. They need help. Not just, you know, like, tell me what to do. Actually, their mindset. I need to make sure that, that they're in the right mindset every single day. So they are still executing the workouts at high quality and not, and not feeling devastated or feeling let down or discouraged because they cannot do the sport. Like, for example, like they cannot do the run or they're hurting. It's, it sucks, right? So, so besides that, I'm actually finding different methods of how to train right and making sure that they're doing or training the right way. I make sure that I communicate to them. I make sure that I dig into that, that thing in their subconscious head. What's stopping them? What is holding them back? Why are they doing the way they're doing? Why are they talking to me? Why are they leaving comments on, the, on their training peaks uh, on saying that like this? 
I don't know if it's safe for me to do this workout. I haven't done anything like this. Why? Some of the reasons, like, you know, athletes, athletes say this one because they're scared. It's not because they don't trust the coach, but they're expressing and they're telling themselves, like, I don't want to get hurt. Why are you making me do this thing? As a coach, you know, it's not like one way and it's the only way. I need to put myself in the situation of the athlete and actually really understand what this person is trying to say. She's, the person is just basically scared or just, you know, need more help, actually, need more help, right? So, so, but, you know, so we continue with Kathleen. Um, Kathleen is very good in communicating. And yesterday, I got an immediate message from her saying that, Coach, I got my fastest 10K done ever today. And I felt good. I felt good running. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's one of the best things about coaching is that I, I would hear this small wins of my athletes. And it actually makes my day, honestly. I really care so much for them. I don't want them to get hurt. I want them to have these small wins because small wins bring confidence. Small wins you know, small wins will lead to bigger wins. And small wins will actually show growth. You'll experience that you're growing every single day. And then when we sum up all the small wins during training, and then we'll tell ourselves, wow, I made that big step. <laughs> so, so that's for running. Now, just, you know, so now, you know, what, what I'm going to just share to you like why, why athletes or why runners, some of the reasons why runners get hurt, okay? And I want you to consider this when you're actually doing some problem solving on your own, right? And uh, this one could actually be uh, also applied with swimming or cycling, okay? So there's a lot of uh, reasons why, you know, a, a person gets injured, okay? Why does injury occur? Well, one of the main things is actually... Um, the tissue no longer tolerates the load being demanded of it. Okay. So, you know, so with the, uh, with, with running or some factors, some, sorry, some factors that would increase a load on a tissue. And I, I wanted to list this one out. It could be lack of mobility and flexibility. Okay. When you start doing mobility and flexibility, like let's say a couple of weeks, it doesn't mean that you solve all the problems, right? Because <laughs> uh, I actually have an athlete uh, in Alaska, and then she said, like, coach, I'm still hurting. I've been doing all this mobility these past weeks. And then, you know, like, okay, well, let's just say her name is, uh, let's just say her name is Josie. Okay, another Josie. Okay, Josie. Well, Josie, you know, You've been, you've been doing triathlon all this time. What? How many years now? But you've never done mobility or flexibility exercises or stretching exercises when you're warmed up. You know, it doesn't take only just two weeks to actually solve all the overloaded problems that you put up to your body. We need to like just reset your body and it takes patience and we just keep, we just have to keep doing it, right? Um, other factors could be a lack of stability, strength, or neuromuscular control. So, for example, those who lack neuromuscular control, it's possible that, um, you know, you cannot do the same, you don't have the same skills or strength on both, like left or right. Like it's not, your body's not symmetrical in terms of executing exercises, and therefore, what that means is that you need more practice 
uh, on actually executing those exercises. Okay, so, so for example, maybe your left glute is actually weaker than your right glute in running. And then so maybe, you know, during the run, you could be overcompensating and then you, um, and then you would have a collapsing gait on your left knee, meaning that your left knee would actually collapse inwards. Okay, so or you have a tight you have tight muscles, right? So if you don't have good neuromuscular control, okay, then it's possible that you, that could actually uh, uh, contribute to the factor. Same thing as like for example for swimming. You know, some people actually could learn, could breathe only on one side or have good rotation on one side, uh, only the left side. And, you know, rotation is important. It could actually, it's one of the factors or reasons why other people actually get injured because they're not symmetrical. Other things, uh, factors is uh, poor biomechanics, okay? The poor mechanics or technique. So with running, if you have poor mechanics and technique, it could lead to high ground reaction forces, okay? Meaning that the more that your foot stays on the ground, and the more that your foot stays on the ground, the higher the impact, the higher stress on your body. And, you know, that becomes, um, that increases, especially if you're, if you're running long distance, okay? So other things, you know, you probably increase the mileage too quick, too soon. Remember, it has to be gradual in increments in terms of distance and in uh, uh, also gradual, uh, gradual requirements of asking for a faster speed on the run. Okay, uh, that's that goes with even um, even with lifting weights. If you incorporate uh, strength workouts, it has to be gradual. If you increase your mileage too much too soon on the running, or you let's say you want to run a Boston Marathon, right? You want to qualify for Boston Marathon. You see the time. Oh, well. So, for example, uh, if you you need to actually meet three hours and fifteen minutes as your uh, Boston qualification time, then you start like aiming for that speed, right? But then you know you need to make sure that you actually think and decide about your training format and not just look at the time but instead you have to evaluate like where you're coming from what where's your training right now what's your fitness right now and the next thing is that how how many days or hours uh you have available for training because another thing is consistency if you're not being consistent in training and you go on and off with your training in running you know, most likely you would hurt yourself. It needs consistency, uh, especially those uh, weekend warriors, you know. It's, you, you will not get, be faster. You will not not hate running if you're only running on weekends. I'm telling you right now, I'm sorry, but, you know, as much as you are busy, you can't just run only on weekends because you're going to hurt yourself. That's not the way to train for triathlon or for any marathon. It needs consistency. And if there's a way to actually modify your workouts on weekdays when you're actually working full-time, then do that. Find ways. If you don't know, read books, listen to books, have a coach, have someone who actually is, has experience in preventing injury. There are other coaches that they just want, they just want the athlete to actually uh, hit a certain mileage every week. But you know what? Each individual, each athlete is different. Those, those numbers 
are good guide guidelines to actually meet by the end of the week. However, the training has to be customized based on the individual, not just the you know the the skill or the level of the athlete, but also the lifestyle of the athlete, and plus how much stress that the athlete gets overall uh, during a day. It's not about the stress in training, but actually the overall stress for that day. Why? Because it affects everything, and those are very important. Last but not the least, uh, some other factors that would uh, that would increase a load on tissues. Poor shoe choices. So that's another thing, right? So. Uh, some other athletes, you know, they actually, oh, I'm going to hit the gym, right? I'm going to hit the gym and lift more weights so I can be better runner. Yeah, it's good. But I'm telling you right now also, it's not the only thing that you need to do. Lifting weights at the gym and then running will not give you an ultimate injury proof body. Okay. You need to actually consider everything that possible factors of actually uh, increasing the risk of injury and that's what a coach does that's what a mentor does that's what someone who's actually experienced and knowledgeable about the subject matter or about running so sure put in the training endurance training right go ahead do strength training but you got to make sure that you actually maximize your time as well because you know your time is valuable recovery is important you know recovery requires time i mean if you need to take a nap or need a rest or need to sleep then you have to respect what the body needs right nutrition is also important um you may be okay uh, in muscular level but your system may not be okay because you're not uh giving the proper nutrition to your body right also uh going to the gym would actually make not necessarily directly proportional that you'd be faster a lot of athletes actually focus more on the okay let me go run fast but then they haven't even looked at their technique of running are they running the proper way and that's part of the poor mechanics some people have not even seen themselves running and all those affect affect how how much that we can reduce the pain of the athlete for or like reduce the risk the risk of injury okay your gait is important uh you don't have to do running drills all the time right but you do need to know or execute those drills because part of it is actually technique your running could be one of the reasons why you're hurting your running could be the reasons why you you, you don't like running because you don't know how okay I think that's pretty much it. Um, I hope if you learn something and or if you feel that this one is valuable, do share to other individuals or your friends or your family who you care. Um, also, if you can leave a review, like, or that would help us out to actually be able to reach our goal, which is to reach out as many, many individuals, as many athletes so we can in order for us to actually educate, help, inspire, encourage about, about triathlon, about fitness, about health. And if you learn something today, I suggest that you practice it because learning is nothing unless you don't practice it. Practice one day. If you fail, do it again until you get it right. Okay. Seek for help, especially on the running. And then in terms of uh, how to actually fail well or have the champion mindset, 
Continue to practice it. See your champion mindset or developing your champion's mindset as, as a part of your training. Just like when you train physically, your mindset needs training also every single day. Okay? Because when, when uh, adversity comes, you know, it's really hard to think. We're, we're actually influenced by emotions. And then so therefore, that's the more, the more important that you actually practice every day so you can be unbeatable on this hard circumstances that's given to you. That's all I got today. And I hope you enjoy the podcast. And I will talk to you some other time. Have a great training. Bye.